This is Help Wanted, the show that makes your work work for you. I'm Jason Pfeiffer, Editor-in-Chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. And I'm money expert Nicole Lappin. On Tuesdays, Jason and I answer the helpline and help callers solve their work problems. And on Thursdays, I give you one way to improve your work and build a career or company you love. And it starts now. Today, I have the question to be answered on Help Wanted, and it's this. How do I actually get what I'm worth? Because I will be honest with you, I charge for things in the world, and I am often told that I am undervaluing myself. And intellectually, I understand that. And I also would like to make more money, but I feel obnoxious asking for more money. And I know this is a real problem that a lot of people face, and I face it too. And I want to just figure out how to get what I'm worth, how to even know what I'm worth. Nicole, do you have this problem? Well, I noticed in our partnership with Intro that your hourly rate or your 15-minute rate was really low compared to all of the experts we have listed there. Right. Intro being this app where people can book your time by the 30 minutes or the 60 minutes. And yes, I charge much less than other people on that. How much do you charge? Like 200 bucks or something? Yeah, something like people that. People are surprised when they see that, right? I know. They often say it. Well, I have the same question. Oh, you have the same question? Yeah. I mean, I have long struggled with pricing the money school because it's a school to teach people about how to get their money together. So even though we put it through testing, I don't feel good about charging people a lot of money to get their money together. That just doesn't sit well with me. So twinsies, we both have the same question. Oh, great. Well, then we can't help each other here. We have to bring somebody else in and we've done it. Liz Elting, entrepreneur, global CEO, philanthropist, speaker, author. Liz, welcome and tell us why you are the perfect person to help us make more money. So I was an entrepreneur for 26 years. And just to give you a little background on that, I started a company in 1992 from an NYU business school dorm room, and it was a translation company. And my goal was to build it into the world's largest translation company, but started literally with me and my partner. And ultimately, after 25 years in business, we did achieve our goal and become the world's largest worth over a billion dollars. It's over a billion dollars in revenue now with offices in over 100 cities around the world. So that's my background. And then I sold it five years ago, but I did that for 26 years. I remember there were 10,000 translation companies out there when we started. So it wasn't enough to be a translation company. We had to do it better. But when we started out of that dorm room, we did price lower. Now, we were kids in our 20s, And we're competing against other companies. So we came in lower. I remember our per word price, which was how we charged back then, was competitive, very competitive, because that's how we were going to bring in those customers. But then over the years, we became a bigger and better company with a lot more to offer, a lot more expertise, a range of services, bandwidth, offices, and value that we could offer. So then our price went up. And after that, we definitely did not compete on price. And I think that relates to the two of you and how you would be charging. You're not novices. You didn't just start and you don't have much to offer and you're not just trying to get in there and get your first piece of business. You have your reputations. You have your book of business. So why would you charge less than you deserve? So I think that's a very important part of it. I mean, the last thing I'll say in general is there will always be someone who charges less. And that happened in our industry. We started up at 
a competitive rate. As I said, we raised the rates as we saw we could. And then competitors came in and they started commoditizing the industry and charging less. And we had to go down in price a little, but we never went down very far because there will always be someone who charges less. And instead, the key is to know what you're worth, offer that value and charge what you deserve. I mean, isn't this a pricing strategy, too, when you're entering a crowded market? Aren't there companies that really undercut their prices to try to get more market share and just eat that cost until they can essentially cannibalize the competition? Yeah. And to a small degree, we did that where, you know, as I said, we came in, tried to get the business. We're very competitive. But I think the question is how long you do that for, right? I mean, that's really the question. If you do it for too long, then you're devaluing what you're worth. If there are other companies that are charging more and you know you're offering at least as much value, if not more, and I felt we were as a company, and I'm sure you two are and our listeners are, then why would you keep that going for any longer than you had to? Yeah, I heard this happen with the guys that have the market in the boyfriend blanket, like those weighted blankets. I think when they first entered the market, it was really crowded and they ended up underpricing themselves to get more customers and clientele. And then because they were the cheapest, all the other companies went by the wayside. And then as soon as that happened, that's when they jacked up the prices because then they had the customers. So how do you think about pricing yourself in a crowded market? Should you go into it testing what the marketplace will bear? Should you also try to just in general, price yourself lower than the competition to try to get more customers that are really price sensitive? What we found in the market we were in, and I think this is the case in a lot of markets, especially as you become a bigger company. And that's why it it does depend on whether you're an individual or a bigger company. But we could not compete with the mom and pops on price. But we knew we had much more to offer. So We wanted to charge more and we needed to charge more because we had much more overhead. We had to be able to cover that overhead. We still had to be able to pay for all that overhead and make money. So we didn't have a choice. But I think that's an interesting strategy. And in in their case, maybe it worked. I think, though, then what happens if you lower your prices, you're not able to deliver all the things the client might need and what you want to. And that was the case in ours. If we had gone too low as a company, we couldn't have offered the value we were offering. Things like customer service, more offices, so more of a global presence, different services, better customer service, the highest quality. For those things, we needed to charge a certain amount. So we didn't even have a choice. And I think that's the case with so many companies, right? And that's why they charge what they charge. They're not commodities. And I think in our industry, we found some of the competitors were coming in and trying to commoditize it by charging less. But we kind of stood our ground and thought, no, we are going to be better. We're going to offer more deliverables, more services, more technologies, better service, faster turnaround time. So we couldn't go that low. And it wouldn't have served us well because then our quality would have decreased too, along with not being able to offer all of those things. This is interesting because what you're really setting up here is a confidence in the value that you're offering and therefore willing and able to charge more and you will discover that people will recognize the additional value that you have and they're willing to spend more, which makes sense in business. But Liz, I want to bring it down to the human psychological level. Let me tell you a little story about me and prices. 
I became editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine in 2016, and probably around then, a friend of mine, shout out John Beer, told me, because he is a publicist and he works with a lot of people who travel and speak and get paid to speak, he said, you could get $10,000 a talk. And I said, shut up, right? Like, that's ridiculous. No, I couldn't. And he said, no, I think that that would be your market value right now. And that got me interested. But also, I had never done a talk, let alone a talk that somebody paid me for. And so the idea of charging someone $10,000, that seemed ridiculous. And after working on it for a bit and coming up with a thing to talk about and refining a talk, I started seeking out paid opportunities. And the first one that I got was this conference in South Carolina, and they seemed willing to spend money on me. And I had in my head, John told me $10,000. And I couldn't bring myself to say $10,000 because I didn't feel confident in the product that I had because I'd never done it before. I know you're making a face. For everyone who can't see you, you're making a face. And so I asked for $5,000 and they gave it to me. And then I inched my way upwards as I became more confident in the product, right? Which I relate to what you're talking about at the larger scale of your company, where the more value I had, the better I was at this talk, and the better I knew how to navigate the stage, the more confident I felt in charging more. Now, many years later, I charge much more than $10,000. I feel very good about the product. I don't have any problem with that. But I am dealing with it in a different way because. Nicole mentioned intro. Intro is one of a number of ways in which people pay for something that I make at a smaller, more intimate scale. Intro is this app where people can book your time, they can book my time. And I charge much less than I think that my market value is, not at this point because I'm not confident in the value, because I feel very confident in the value, but really because it just makes me feel like an asshole. You know, here's an individual person who wants to talk with me. And if they see that I think that like talking to me is worth $1,000 for 15 minutes, I just feel like an asshole. And the same is true for like, I'm about to launch this premium newsletter and I see people doing all sorts of things. I see people charging $5 a month. I see people charging $100 a month. And the more money I think about charging people, the more I'm afraid of signaling to everybody, you know, like, hey, if you want to get my stuff, it's going to cost you. It just feels weird and bad. And I don't know how to get over that mental hurdle because when people pay for me on intro, one of the first things out of their mouths are always, I can't believe you're this cheap. And I'm like, I know, but I don't want to be an asshole. Liz, what am I supposed to do here? So yes. And I mean, given that they say, I can't believe you're this cheap. So they are opening the door for you to charge more. I mean, clearly you can and you should charge more. I mean, that was constantly an issue with our company. You know, what is the right amount to charge? And I think the answer is always whatever the market will bear, right? Whatever people are willing to pay for your service. And certainly people are willing to pay more for your service. And basically what they're saying is we have been told we need to pay more for someone who's worth less than you are. So why should you charge so little? I mean, unless you want to do charity work or give your services away, you shouldn't feel that way because look at it this way. If they're not going to you, they're going to someone else for a similar service and paying more and perhaps not getting as much value. So I think that's how you should look at it. If you truly believe it, I'm sure you do that you're offering the value, but I completely understand what you're saying. How can I charge $10,000 to give this speech? Because I don't know if I've fine-tuned it, perfected it. 
am offering the value that they deserve for 10K. But then as you've done it, you've realized, oh my gosh, you know, of course I'm worth this and more. And so now I can reasonably say that. And I think, you know, same thing with that 15 minutes, you probably now are well worth it. And others are, as I said, charging more for people to get less. So it sounds like you so deserve it. Unless for some reason you just want to be charitable, maybe do pro bono work, people who can't afford it. Maybe that's another story. That's a good point. And I do that. I will. Here's just like one other psychological thing that I'll throw out for you or Nicole to respond to. So I really like people thinking of me as a really accessible person. I don't like to be a person that people can't reach. But the practical reality of that is I'm not making as much money as I could or I'm allowing people to consume my time because I'm offering something at a lower price point and maybe I could make the same amount if not more if I just raised the price and I would have like fewer calls on intro but there's something I have trouble grappling with reconciling this image that I want to have of myself that if I charge people more money it becomes in conflict with this idea that I have of myself. I like don't know how to untie that. I have an idea. So Jason, how long have you been in this business? The business of occupying the kind of role that I occupy now, which is to say the entrepreneur person who helps entrepreneurs, since 2016. But overall, people book you on intro to help with a variety of things like media, which you've been in for 20 years. Yes. My first media job would have been in 2002. So it took you 20 years to be able to solve somebody's problem in 15 minutes. The legendary music producer Timbaland famously charged for a beat he made 500 grand and it only took him 15 minutes and they were like what the fuck this was just 15 minutes of your time he's like well it took me 20 years to get this beat done in 15 minutes so you're not paying for that 15 minutes you're paying for everything that went into you doing what you do in those 15 minutes you summed it up so beautifully nicole and i feel the same way Now, I deal myself with sole providers who, you know, I need to bring in or or small companies or whatever it is. And I hear their rates. And there have been times when I've heard someone's rate and I thought, wow, initially gut reaction is that's a lot per hour. And then I all of a sudden realize why. If I either ask them a few more questions or I start working with them and I think they've had 20, 25 years experience. They're so good. They're such a pro. They know what they're doing and they're fast. And that's all because of their experience. So they're not learning on my time. And I love that. And they're worth it. The alternative is someone who may be cheaper per hour, but then they're making mistakes. They're dropping the ball. I then have to pay them for more hours. I have to tell them what to do. They're not telling me the way it's supposed to be. So I'm seeing it with my own experiences right now. I mean, there's this adage, right, that it took you 20 years to become an overnight success. That overnight success idea is a fallacy because you don't see everything that got you to the place where you can do it faster. You can give better advice. You can create a beat in 15 minutes or something like that. Whether it took him 15 days or 15 years or whatever, like that beat was awesome and, you know, probably won Grammys and all of the things. So like, does it matter that it took him 15 minutes to create genius? It took him 20 years to be able to do that in 15 minutes. Do you guys ever look at someone who's charging a lot for something and think that is an obnoxious person? 
No, I think that you value what you pay more for. Yes, you get what you pay for. Do you look at an Hermes bag and you're like, God damn, I would never pay 20 grand for that. Or are you yes. like, wow, I well, I'll say that. But, uh, but like some people look at it and say, I value this so much. I am going to protect it because I paid so much for it and therefore I value it so much more. I think that oftentimes when people spend more on whatever, whether it's a digital product or a physical product, they value it more. That's typically why you think you should give stuff away for free. But people aren't as sticky with that because they don't feel like they put skin in the game or equity in the game or money in the game. They don't have much to lose. And so they're not as invested. And so I think that when you spend more, like, I don't think it's obnoxious. I think it's aspirational. Right. And it's just because you're worth it, because if they're not paying, then you'll get it from someone else. And you should get it from someone else because you've earned it because of your experience and expertise. And someone else will, because you know you're not in a whole other world from the competition. Anyone who has value close to yours is charging something like you. So why should you charge less? Why should you shortchange yourself? You've worked hard and you deserve it. And yes, exactly as Nicole says, it will be valued at least as much, if not more. Stick around. Help Wanted will be right back. Nicole, have you ever thought about the one that got away? Jason, I am happily in a relationship. You know that. No, the hire that got away. Someone that you thought was perfect for your team, but ah, they were already with another employer. Oh, well, in that case, yeah, I think about her all the time. Well, it's not too late. You can reach out to that person on LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you hire professionals that you can't find anywhere else, even people who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. Okay, looks like it's time for me to shoot my shot. Do it. And I know you may have your heart set on one person, but if you do want to open it up and post a role to a bigger applicant pool, you can do it for free at linkedin.com slash help wanted. And because there are so many professionals on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within just 24 hours. So you'll never have a one that got away again. Incredible. That's linkedin.com slash help wanted. Yep. LinkedIn.com slash help wanted. Terms and conditions apply. Happy hiring ever after. Welcome back to Help Wanted. Let's get to it. Sometimes when I order delivery or something and I'm like, I don't know what kind of Thai food in my area I just moved here is good to order from Postmates or whatever. And what I do instinctively is search by highest to lowest price because I'm like, I guess the highest priced Thai food is going to be better than the lower priced Thai food. So that dictates how valuable it is and also how my tummy is going to feel after. Exactly. You get what you pay for. And I I tell my kids that all the time when they're like, wait, but mom, it's the same. And it's like, oh, probably not. And not usually, <laughs> you know, when they say, why not buy the cheaper thing? Yeah, there's a time and a place to buy the cheaper thing for sure. But do you look, Jason, when you see on the intro roster, Spencer Raskoff, who's one of the co-founders of Zillow, I think his rate is like $1,000 or something. Do you find that to be obnoxious? Or if somebody who's going into starting a real estate business wants his advice in 15 minutes, like, do they think it's obnoxious or do they think that's a cheat code? 
So I don't. It's funny. So there's a great term that I love, which is called the false consensus effect. The false consensus effect is a psychological thing where people think that other people think like them. It's called the false consensus effect because, of course, it's not true. People think differently than you. It's the reason why sometimes turning to someone for advice is really good because they might have found a different way to do something that you haven't. I feel like I often have the opposite of that, <laughs> which is like I see Spencer on intro charging a lot of money and I don't find it obnoxious, but I think, well, but other people must think differently. Other people probably do find it obnoxious. The only time I find it obnoxious is when I see someone who I know and I know deep down they're an idiot, but they've done a really good job of framing themselves as not an idiot and they're charging a lot of money and I don't like that. But that's an insidery thing. Usually, if somebody is presenting themselves as valuable, I get it. And that's an important thing to remember. You put yourself in the consumer's shoes. If I see somebody as charging a lot of value, I probably think a lot of the things that you guys have said, they're very experienced. They'll be able to solve this problem easier. Liz, I loved what you had said about how if you get the cheaper option, maybe the cheaper option requires more work. Like you might actually have to go back and like redo something that they did because it wasn't that good. You got to like find like a second person and ends up taking more time. And what you're paying for is partially a person's value or a product's value or whatever. But also what you're paying for is just time that you don't have to spend later dealing with another version of this. Oh, totally. Jason, there's an M&M example of this. Morgan, our producer, is going to laugh off camera right now. But we tried to save money with a production crew because we're doing a lot more multimedia and video. So we tried to hire a really inexpensive person that came at the recommendation of a friend. So it was vetted. And it was a complete disaster. It took us weeks and weeks to try to salvage this work when we ended up at the very end hiring the super expensive 10x what that first guy cost to just fix it and do it. And in hindsight, that time is time we will never get back. <laughs> right. And if I had to go back, I would have been like, it's a hard invoice to swallow, I guess, but like, <laughs> let's do it right from the jump and save Morgan mostly that time and stress and drama. Yeah, absolutely. That has happened to me so many times in business when we have gone for the cheaper option. And that's why I don't flinch when someone says there are a lot. I think, wow, they're likely to be worth it because if they're not, they're not going to be able to do it again. They won't be able to command that rate. No one will pay for it because it's not usually a one-time thing. Either you'll want the person to hire you again, you'll want them to tell their friends about you. And so you need to be worth it and they need to think you're worth it or they won't come back. So if you're charging that, they will assume you're worth it. And of course you are. And even on intro, they have like ratings, right? I just did one of the calls and the person, you know, put her little review on it. And so if they went to somebody that wasn't Spencer, because Spencer's awesome, we've had him on Money Rehab in the past, he's well worth whatever he's going to tell you, I'm sure, in that short period of time. But if he wasn't, or if somebody who was priced equally high was not worth it, those reviews would be terrible. And like, <laughs> then they wouldn't make any money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. No, it's true. The market speaks. Okay, wait, Liz, I want to also turn your attention to Nicole's version of this, which is different. Nicole, your version of this, tell me if I'm right, is so you created these great resources, the Money School, these, these courses, and you want it to be accessible to as many people as possible. And the thing that you're afraid of is raising the price 
to match the value because you might price out the people who can get the most from it. And that's a challenging way of thinking about business, right? Like you bring something out into the world, you want the most number of people to get value from it. But of course, you also want to make it a good business. Where's the line on that? Well, I guess like that's just sort of the balance between art and science and just the nature of what the business is. It is a money tool. And so charging more for it doesn't sit well with my principles and morals and values. And I think trying to help people get out of debt, start budgeting, you know, while we did test how much people would pay for a class like that, and it was much higher than we ended up pricing it, I couldn't, in good faith, sleep well at night, charging people a bunch of money to get out of debt. It just felt wrong long term. Well, first of all, you feel you, Nicole, also feel badly doing it because you're there. You are trying to help them get out of debt, although based on what we were saying before, you can probably do it better and faster than a lot of your competition because of your expertise. But the other thing that's crossing my mind is if you don't want to do it because you feel guilty or because then you'll have too much business because more people will be able to pay and you don't have time or both of those things, you could have a team. You could hire people who you can have provide the same service you do at a lower rate so that then the people who can't afford your rate, and they can have these associates that work for you. And you pay them. And of course, the client pays you, but they pay a lower rate than they pay to get you. You know, you're kind of like the partner in the firm, and these are the associates. So the higher partner rate you get, and they get the lower rate. And that's a way that you can both make it so people can still afford it, and you can have more clients you're helping. So you won't have the guilt and you'll still be accessible to many and you'll have time to deal with all if you can train them properly, right? Absolutely. And I think having that tier system is really smart and really important, especially in an area like that when you're giving advice. But I find in my heart, predatory businesses, I think in theory, they're going to crash and burn because who wants to buy from a predatory company or a predatory person? And I think about like the pharma bro who spiked the cost of insulin or something because he cornered the market. And just because you can doesn't mean you should. But ultimately, I was like, okay, well, that's a similar thing to payday loans. You know, you're preying on people who don't have money, you're charging them astronomical interest rates. That's not going to last. But somehow it does. And so is there a place to be Pollyanna-ish in corporate America? I mean, I don't know. It's one thing if it's just your services. It's another thing if you have a team. If you have a team, you don't even have to provide the higher price service. You could just be so busy training your team so they can offer it and be accessible to the average person who's having trouble with money. So there are a lot of ways to go about it. So you don't have to charge a lot to anyone if you don't want to, but you can still scale it and make it accessible to many. Both of you have said a number of times during this, like, you know, charge what you're worth. You know, you're worth a lot. What advice do we collectively have for how someone can figure that out, regardless of what it is that they do? I mean, when we started our company way back in the day, we looked precisely at what our competition was charging and we saw the range and we came in at a very competitive rate and then we changed it. But yes, I mean, as an individual, find out what the competition is charging and make it so the rate fits in. 
but don't make it too low because then you'll be undervalued. And that would be a shame because there you are being nice. <laughs> You're getting undervalued. I mean, how ironic is that when you probably deserve if anything more, you don't want to be misperceived because you're being too nice. Also, as you were saying this, I was just thinking about an interesting thing that a friend told me, a friend who is a therapist telling me about how occasionally she's heard from people who are like, you charge too much for the service. It's a very important service. Like, you know, what if it's not accessible? And she said, you know, an interesting problem about providing important services at a low to no cost, which happens for example, if you work at a large company, you have access to a therapist for free sometimes. And do you know what happens? The answer is that people don't take it seriously. They skip the sessions or they just kind of like go and are sort of half invested. And it is actually the charging of money, which creates the sense of value, which creates the personal investment in the thing that the person is paying for. It's like when you work in a company that has a free gym versus you're paying for your gym membership and you want to get your money's worth. Yes, it's so much about having skin in the game and having to stretch a little. You want to make sure you pay attention to every word and you get your money's worth and you value it. The only way I have recently gotten in shape is by spending a stupid amount of money on <laughs> Pilates classes because I'm just like, I can't skip this. I just cannot in my heart pay $100 for a class or whatever and not go. But if it was like a free Pilates class, you better believe I would have a mushy belly. <laughs> so yes, when people have skin in the game, when people have to pay for it, when it costs them more, they value it more. And one other thing I'm thinking on it is if you give them that price and then they kind of flinch and they think it's too much, you can always come down a little if you think, okay, is that too much for your budget? Well, let me see what I can do. I can come down a little. But once you've put forth your lower price, you don't seem like you're worth as much as you really are. And so why would you want to do that? All right. I feel convinced. I'm going <laughs> to do a thing. You are going to help me. I just opened intro and I am charging 15 minutes for $200. Okay. I'm going to no. change the price to oh. whatever you guys tell me the price wow, should be. Wow, this is big news. This is exciting. Okay. Nicole, you're at 300 yeah, I'm going to leave this to Liz, who is one of the most successful self-made women in the world. I'm thinking at least 250, but it could be a lot more. I just think do the same as me. I was about to say 300. I was about to say if Nicole's doing it, why wouldn't you? Because We agree. Okay, yeah, it's obviously working well for Nicole. I don't know why it wouldn't work for you and why shouldn't you two be the same? And if either of you is ever losing business because you think you're too high, you can modify it, but you might actually end up being the opposite and thinking you should be raising it after this. But yes. Or we can do a combination like you get both of us for 500 bucks. Liz, we're sending you an invoice after this. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I have plugged it in. I'm ready to hit save. Are we ready? I'm so excited. It's $300 now for 15 minutes and boop, saved now. All right. I just gave myself a $100 raise. Help Wanted is a production of Money News Network. Help Wanted is hosted by me, Jason Pfeiffer. And me, Nicole Lappin. Our executive producer is Morgan Lavoie. If you want some help, email our helpline at helpwanted at moneynewsnetwork.com for the chance to have some of your questions answered on the show. And follow us on Instagram at Money News and TikTok at Money News Network for exclusive content and to see our beautiful faces. Maybe 
a little dance. Oh, I didn't sign up for that. All right. Well, talk to you soon.